Hello and welcome to another Draft Talk podcast brought to you from 99 Yards, where we talk about all things NFL Draft. The countdown's well and truly on, we're into draft months. I'm MJ and tonight I get to be in the box seat for this episode uh, and I'm joined by two of our regular team, Owen and Brian. So, how are you guys? Yeah, all good, thank you MJ. All uh, excited to talk to our special guest. Oh, give it away, oh. <laughs> yeah, all uh, all all good, MJ. We uh, we had closer, worryingly closer, but uh, yeah, all good. Yeah, so uh, we're we're delighted to be joined by a special guest for this episode, as we have Daniel Parlagreco with us. Uh, Daniel's the author of DTP Draft Scout NFL Draft Guide, and for those of you watching on uh, YouTube, here we I've got it here. Wow. There we go. See, bit of product placement. Um, And that's one of the top annual guides to draft prospects. And his guide's been published since, he's been doing this since about 2016. And it's packed with over 300 player evaluations for this year's draft. Daniel's here to talk about the guide, his process in evaluating players, and his thoughts on this year's draft prospects. So it's really great to see you again, uh, Daniel. How are you? How are things? How have you been preparing for the draft? Doing good, guys. Doing good. I get kind of a leg up because I uh, I start so early in the year. Um, what happens is when I typically start the draft process, you know, the process, I start with the seniors first, and then little by little, I'll go through the juniors and some of the uh, the, the underclassmen that could potentially qualify. Then what happens is the ones that don't end up um, going into the draft, I'll have some write-ups from the previous year, so I'll be able to have some tape from, you know, analysis from earlier years where it kind of gives me a leg up on a lot of these guys. So I do it much, much earlier and I finish my guide so much sooner than probably most of the draft guys, which, you know, is kind of a blessing and a curse in some ways. Yeah, um, that's great. And that's, that's kind of where, where we wanted to start with. We've got loads of questions for you, so we'll dive right in. So, so kind of, you touched upon it there, but how do you, your process is, is a bit different from, from others. You, you start earlier and you're very, very much focused on the tape. Do you want to talk about a little bit about how much commitment there is there to watching these guys? Yeah, so I, I started, I don't know, maybe 2014, 2015 in that range. And what I did initially, I didn't write a guide, but I uh, I would write on some football forums that were pretty common back then. And I would write up analysis. I would watch clips here and there of these guys. And I was kind of tired of going off of the, you know, the popular draft Knicks that would be on TV here in the States. And uh, I kind of wanted to come up to my own conclusions specifically when it came to the team that I follow, which is the Cowboys. So I would, you know, rather than just go off of the analysis of what guys would say, I would start watching clips, watching videotapes and kind of coming to conclusions myself forming on these guys. And little by little, the first couple of years that I do maybe 30, 40, 50 guys that the Cowboys were interested in, and then, uh, you know, t- I think 2016 was the first time maybe I published the guide. And, um, yeah, it was, it was much, much smaller back then. But I realized there was an audience for it on Amazon. I published it. It's kind of a little hobby thing I did. And it ended up selling a lot more copies than I ever expected to. And then uh, each year it kind of got bigger and bigger. In the last three or four years, I'd say it's probably been around the same amount of prospects, over 300. And um, I, I try to start earlier and earlier each year. You know, initially, maybe I started in like December, but it only really gave me a couple of months to watch guys before I published my guide. But now I'm like in October, I really, really start, you know, but that kind of ties into already having seen a lot of the guys that, you know, ended up staying an extra year in college. So um, I try to do as much research as I can in addition to watching 
multiple game tapes of, of these guys. What I try to do as much research as I possibly can talk to everybody I can and try to include some background information on this, on these guys as well. Um, so it's not just tape, even though I try to focus my reports as far as how I feel with my ratings on the actual tape, I'll try to include some additional information that I can. But like I mentioned, I, I usually, um, post my guide the beginning of February. And, and sometimes what happens is there's information that comes to light in the weeks after February or in March, whether it's the, you know, the combine or maybe something happens with these guys getting in trouble off the field or something comes down the interview process, or maybe there's an injury that's undetected, which, which possibly my guide doesn't um, feature. But what it does feature is I really try to focus my ratings based on the game tape, which in a lot of ways has actually seemed to benefit benefit me quite well when it comes to projections and when it comes to future years as far as how they translate to the next level. That's great. Let's uh, let's move on to this year then, Brian. You you kick us off with a question. Well, well, I guess I was listening to uh, some stuff today and a certain bit that we've not touched on it yet on our podcast, but this uh, this class of tight ends it looks pretty special. Um, you know, there's there's four or five sort of superstars, and then even further, further down, there's some guys that, that could be really impressive. What's what's your take on, I guess, the tight ends as a whole, and have you got a favorite? Yeah, oh, it's it's stacked. I mean, you kind of have every type of tight end you want here. You know, in prior years, you'd have those guys that were. I think last year was a really great class for blocking tight ends. Previous mm -hmm. years, we've had really good athletic tight ends. This year, it's kind of, you know, you got every kind of tight end you want. We haven't seen this kind of depth in a long time at the position. So whether you're looking for that inline guy or you're looking for a guy to flex out wide and play almost as a, a wide receiver, we have that in this draft class. Um, my favorite, of course, is, is Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. I think he's kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades tight end, does everything really, really well. Um, you know, I, I'd liken him to like a Jason Witten, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Cowboys fan, but perhaps he's not um, – doesn't have the upside athletically as some of these other tight ends in the class, but he's just good at finding, you know, creases in the middle of the field, finding a little bit of space, reliable target, but also a really solid blocker, especially from the uh, college level. That's going to translate really well to play in line, but also bump outside and play in the slot as well. Yeah. On Michael May, he seems to be one of the, I, I think I speak for all of us, but we all really like him as well, but there seems to be, you know, you through draft analysts, some, maybe prospect fatigue with him where, you know, he's so good, but but maybe isn't given the credit that that he should have just should have deserved. It's a, it's crazy. But another class that, that I'm really high on is the is the running back class and, and a player that that you're really high on that I liked as well is Israel Abanakanda from Pitt. Uh, how do you see maybe this running back class and is it just dominated by the one at the at the top? But it is quite deep, isn't it? Yeah, you know, there's not really uh, there's not really a, a huge separation between these guys. Um, you know, I think what we're going to end up finding is, you know, some of the guys that go on early day two, second, third round. You know, there's uh, they're going to be starters, but there's going to be starters in this running back class. You know, rounds four and five, possibly into rounds six and seven too. It's a really really deep class. That's excellent. Of course, Robinson from Texas is the headliner that's likely going to go in the first round, but uh, he's exceptional. But um, but it's there's really not a huge drop off from round to round, and I think we're going to see a lot of starters in this in this uh, particular draft class.
Ryan, have you got one of you got the next one about uh, tackles? Because we have, we don't have Stu with us here, who's our our, our expert on uh, offensive linemen. I'll be honest, I haven't actually got the document. <laughs> sorry, I was just freewheeling like I do. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Basically, um, Stu, yeah, Stu really liked uh, Anton Harrison, and that caused some some discussion on our our podcast uh, about the linemen, about the tackles, and you really like Anton Harrison as well, so. What perhaps puts him for you ahead of like Peter Skaronski and, and Paris Johnson? Um, I would say it, it's it's kind of a, a combination. I think Skaronski is 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 maybe a little more NFL ready as far as you know. Just the I mean, both guys played three years, a significant amount of time. Uh, I think Skaronski is kind of a, a higher floor prospect that has a less likely chance of busting at the next level, if that makes sense. But his ceiling isn't as high. I think a guy like Anton Harrison, and even you know, even if you go down to uh, Paris Johnson, I think both these guys have higher ceilings, and they're already good players. But I think as they develop and learn how to use their their athletic skill sets and their length and their physical tools, they're only going to get better. Um, you know, show potential to play on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, Skaronski, you know, he has he has some limitations athletically. Athletically, has some limitations size wise that that both Harrison and uh, and Johnson don't have. So. But like I said, he's going to be a quality, quality starter at the next level immediately. So um, it's just, you know, you're splitting hairs with these these top three, I think. Moving on to some defensive players, a player, again, that you're you're higher on than um, seems to be a lot of people is Keely Ringo, the corner from Georgia. Uh, is a player that I really like as well. But what do you think there is about him that's separating him from the the guys that you see in the media talk about and Devon Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez? What is it about Keely Ringo that really stands out for you that makes him your number one corner? Yeah, you know, he had some he had some concerning tape. I know a lot of guys, you know, when this draft process, a lot of guys, you know, nitpick these guys to death. And he certainly gave up. He had some blemishes on his resume in college. He gave up some big plays. But I think even more than that, you look up the the physical traits that he has. Um, you know, just always having a fearless nature. You know, when you play the cornerback position, one thing that you really want to see in guys is that, that alpha mentality, that competitive mindset that they want to go up against the top. He had that, he had no fear despite getting beat at times. He's got the athletic traits to only get better. Um, a lot of Patrick Peterson to his game, you know, just from an athletic standpoint, I think he's going to get better and better um, as far as a pure cover guy. Do I think, um, you know, maybe Witherspoon, even Cam Smith, these guys might be more NFL ready to be, um, with fewer mistakes immediately, it's it's definitely possible. But I think Ringo's ceiling, coupled with the fact that he already competed against top tier competition, um, you know, playing in the SEC, I think he's just uh, he's really really a loaded prospect that's gonna that's that has the highest ceiling out of any of these kids. With a corner, with it being such an athletic position, do you maybe favor the athletes then over the ones that are, that are kind of NFL ready now? I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think you do because I've you know if you if you look at if you look at the translatable skills for the yeah. cornerback position, I think, you know, mechanics, technique, those things can get cleaned up. Um, but you look for the mentality and you look for the athletic skills, kind of that fearless mentality. And Ringo has that. And I think, you know, working with NFL coaches, he's only going to get better. Um, you know, athletically, he's not going to look at a place no matter who he's matched up, you know, no matter if it's the most explosive receiver in the league, I think he's going to stride for stride. He can keep and, and, and match up man, man coverage. So, um, so yeah, I would say, I would say that's definitely the case. 
Yeah, I think we, we've got our cornerbacks and, and safeties episodes coming up, our top fives uh, for the secondary. So I think we're going to have some really interesting conversations there on that on that draft class. Um, it's a good, good, really good group. Um, is there anybody else, any other players you think are not being talked about enough, not being talked about highly? You know, perhaps some guys who who you see as, we talk about it on the pod now and again, you know, who's our guy? Who's who's your guy who you're kind of rooting for, who you think, Maybe he doesn't go first round, but but maybe he's going to go higher than, than some people think. Who do you really like? Yeah, you know, when I, when I think about this question, I think a lot of times small school guys that don't necessarily get the recognition. Um, and two guys I thought of um, right off the bat is a kid by the name of Tucker Kraft. He played for uh, South Dakota State in the FCS level. Really, really good uh, prospect. He um, He chose to stay in school for an extra season. But if he would have came out, you know, after – if he would have came out last year – in the 2022 draft he likely would have been in the first round discussion but he he struggled with a bunch of injuries this this past year which kind of bumped him down quite a bit um, I think he's going to be really exciting really good receiving prospect um, one of those tight ends like you mentioned earlier that's going to be in the, uh, the probably the early day three discussion um, that's, that could end up being a starter in this league um, another guy I really like is a guy by the name of Aubrey Miller Jr. from Jackson State, also FCS guy, a linebacker, just an absolute tackling machine um, the last two seasons for Jackson State. Um, right away, you think about a guy like that's going to play on special teams, have a major role for a team, versatile, can play in you know multiple different schemes. I really like this kid a lot. I think he's going to be really good. He was a four-star prospect in, in, uh, in high school coming out, so he went to, he went to smaller school route but I think he's going to end up being a really good NFL player. There we go. There's, there's a couple of names to look out for for, for everyone. Um, so one of the things we asked you to do last time, and we'll get you to do it again, is help our teams out. Um, so who should each of our teams be taking with the first pick that they've got in the draft? So we'll, we'll, we'll take it in turns. Um, one of them is your Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, you've got, you've got a vested interest there in that, in that pick. But uh, it's Owen's team up first, so uh, Owen, take us away on this bit. Yeah, my team's the Falcons picking in the top ten again, picking at eight. Um, and I think there's a multiple different directions that they could go here. Um, interested to see what you what you think, Daniel. Is. It could be edge, it could be corner, could it be running back? Yeah, I think, uh, like you mentioned, I think you know drafting that high up, the top pass rushers, as we always know, they go much sooner yeah. than other positions, historically speaking. So I think top 10, you almost, you know, you, you got to grab one of those guys in the Falcons. I think a guy that could be around then is Tyree Wilson, a really, really talented guy that can play on the, on the outside spot. You know, one of those defensive end positions really uh, has gotten better and better each year. Texas Tech kind of moves all over the line of scrimmage, can drop inside, drop outside, and um, a really, really good player. I think he's going to he's gonna go somewhere in that range, I would imagine. I think if the, if the Falcons can get him, I think he'd be a really good pickup for them. Okay, so that takes us on to my team. So on to the New York Giants, who are picking at, at 25. Um, a lot of the talk has been around wide receiver. There's a bit of cornerback starting to come in as well. A um, bit different for us, picking later on. That hasn't happened for, for, for a while. Um, who do you think the Giants might pick up with their, their first rounder? Um, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think the, the popular pick for them is going to be uh, wide receiver and who's uh, – who's around that can play a, a vital role there. You know, the receivers, depending on what you read, depending on what you listen to, I'm not big into to reading these mock drafts, but you'll hear different things as far as where these guys are going to go. 
But a guy I think would 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 be an interesting scheme fit for them would be Jordan Addison from USC. You know, earlier prior to the combine, I think we heard his name quite a bit in top ten, top fifteen discussion. Didn't have a great combine. Perhaps is going to drop a little bit. Um, but he's just a uh, you know a production machine both at Pittsburgh when he played there, and then when he transferred over to USC. Um, a really really good high reception prospect catches everything. You know, a little lanky, not the greatest size, but um, for being as small as he is, he does a lot of damage post catch really a kind of an interesting pick. We'll give the giants a little bit more juice in their, in their offense, kind of building that offense around Daniel Jones and giving him some tools at his disposal. I think Addison will give them a, a you know, perhaps a, a number one receiver that they're looking for. Okay. Well, we, we only go one pick further down, don't we, Brian, for your Cowboys? Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on this, uh, Daniel, where we could go. Obviously, it's 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 tough to predict the further back you go. But yeah, who would uh, who would you like there? Um, I think what I like, I think the best pick for the Cowboys, the one that would make the most sense, is retooling that offensive line, continuing to. I love mm-hmm. what they did obviously last year, and he ended up being Tyler Smith ended up being better than I even expected him to be right off the bat. And I think if they add one more piece there, you know, to put at left guard, that could be. You know, so the best available there, I know a guy that they really like is Steve Avila from TCU, who's mm-hmm. played a lot of center. He's played some guard. He's even played right tackle in college. I think he's a plug and play guy. You can put at left guard, obviously from that area playing for TCU. I think he, uh, he can immediately be a fill in starter. And I think that would give Dak kind of the, uh, the offensive line that they need, you know, and then having some depth there. Um, I think, you know, then adding the pieces that they added already, I think Avila would, would give them a really, really solid offensive line once again and kind of not really give Dak any more excuses if perhaps the offense isn't, <laughs> you know, isn't as good as they, they could be with the tools they've put in place between Brandon Cooks and adding an extra um, piece of the offensive line. Um, we, we can't forget Stu. Can't forget Stu and his Miami Dolphins. Um, obviously, they forfeited their, their first rounder, so they, they don't pick until uh, number 51 in the, in the second round. Now, obviously, Stu's not here, so if you want to say kicker, that's fine because he won't be able to argue. But um, yeah, who do, who's a good second rounder for the for the Dolphins to pick up? I, I think that the Dolphins would be really good taking taking a tight end at the spot fifty one. I think that's kind of the sweet spot for where these top tight ends are going to go. A guy I really like, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, played five years uh, in college, uh, played for for both San Diego and also Utah. Really good receiving tight end immediately. Uh, kind of has a wide receiver frame reception machine catches everything. He'll add um, some extra juice to their offense. I think he's a really exciting prospect that can be a day one starter. So I like Dalton Kincaid for the dolphins. Okay. Thank you very much. And I've got to, got to ask you, cause there's, there's a lot of talk about it. Who's going, who's going one, who's going first pick, which, which of those quarterbacks is going off? Oh man. That's uh, that's tough. I mean, you kind of know how I feel, but I think, I think what's going to, it sounds like more and more what's going to end up happening is uh, CJ Stroud is, is going to go. Um, I don't know if that's the smart pick. I personally prefer Bryce young, but I think CJ Stroud, the way he played down the stretch for the Buckeyes was, was really impressive. Um, doesn't have as, you know, hasn't been as consistent perhaps, and maybe doesn't have the upside that Bryce young has. But I think, um, you know, when you look at that NFL frame, what he did in the clutch games for the Buckeyes, it's, it's hard not to get excited about C.J. Stroud. And, uh, yeah, I think it seems like from what you read, you know, typically speaking, when you have the first pick, 
there's not really any negative to things leaking, you know, when it comes to, cause it's not like somebody's going to take your guy at that pick. So, you know, a lot of times when this, you know, where there's smoke, you know, where, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I think um, it seems like CJ Stroud's going to be the pick. Yeah. It feels like we've got three weeks to go. There's probably going to be about three weeks worth of smoke still to come, isn't there? And I, it wouldn't yeah, surprise me if that, that keeps going around and we, we keep hearing, keep hearing different names. Um, that's been great, Daniel. Great to, to hear your views on this year's draft and great to hear some names of some players, especially some that we, we perhaps haven't, haven't already covered. Uh, Daniel's, Daniel's uh, DTP draft guide is available on Amazon and we'll put a link to his guide in the comments on the uh, YouTube for this episode. Um, where else can da uh, Daniel, where else can people catch up with your work? Have you, have you already got an eye on next year? Yeah, always, always. Um, I would say the best place is to catch me on Twitter. I don't post as much as I, I, I used to perhaps on Twitter. I get tired of social media sometimes, but always, uh, I always post my guide each year there. And if you have any questions, I always respond back. I have my website too, DTP draft scout. And if you go on there, you can sign up for my newsletter. Um, so that will alert you, um, you know, in regards to when my draft guides coming out, any, you know, any connections I have as far as anything I want you to read, any content I'm putting out. Uh, if you go on there and sign up for the newsletter, that would be probably the best place to catch up to me right now, because I don't know, future years, perhaps maybe I'll do my guide. Um, not on Amazon, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll post on a different site perhaps. So it's always possible. So if that's the case, it's always better to connect with me on social media on a personal level, rather than being relying on finding my guide on Amazon each year. So DTP draft scout on Twitter or go to my uh, website, dtpdraftscout.com. That's, that's great. Thanks, Daniel. And we're really appreciative for you giving up your time to come and, and talk to us. And I'm sure that's going to be a, a great episode for people to listen back to. Um, we'll be with you again soon on uh, Draft Talk Podcast from at 99 Yards. We'll have more top fives. We'll have more draft news. We'll have at least one more live mock draft before we reach draft day. Check out the content, as always, on 99yards.com. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.